What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the High Wrestling Podcast. I hope you guys all had a good holiday and a good New Year's, whatever it is you celebrate. I hope you had a good holiday season. We're here. It's a new month. It's a new year. And I feel like it is a fresh start for the High Wrestling Podcast, if I may. Because this year, I'm kind of reframing and restructuring how I do the show. And I'm taking everything that I've essentially applied from, or taking everything that I've learned from the first two years of doing the show and applying it throughout the year. So we will get into that a little bit later, but yeah, it just feels like a fresh structure. It just feels like a fresh year. I feel refreshed. I went in, I came into 2024 lighter and I feel like that's because I actually went to bed at like 9 30 on new year's eve because i had to open on new year's day i get new year's eve and new year's day confused a lot and i know that's how do you get that confused i don't know but i had to open on new year's day so i went to bed at like 9 30 on new year's eve and i woke up from a weed coma at like 1 30 in the morning and saw that it was 2024 said oh shit and went right back to sleep so yeah honestly in the little break that i had from not posting episodes i've been working if i'm not at work i'm at home if i'm not at home i'm at work that's usually how it is i'm I'm just grinding i'm just working i feel like that's you get to a certain point of adulting where it's just working home, working home, and that's essentially what's been going on. Nothing too crazy has happened. Um, but what else? I don't have any more updates. My um, schedule is going to start bulking up here soon, which is why I had to uh, restructure how I do the episodes going forward. But, yeah, we got the West Coast Pro Orientation on January 16th, which I will absolutely be going to i got the shoes i got the knee pads i got the elbow pads and i'm ready to go mainly because it's the one that i will say is the closest to me and the most affordable so yeah i'm excited i'm excited to see where that goes and like even i was thinking about it on the way home because i did go to hood slam last night and i'll get into hood slam later but i was on the way home This morning, I was thinking about, like, if I do this and I genuinely like it, I am prepared to restructure my schedule again and dedicate my life to it. But also, if I do this and I don't like it, I can say that I at least tried it. You know, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be unless I actually do it. So that's essentially been my mindset. That is, that has been my mindset. So I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm excited. And then also at the end of this month, I go back to school, which I'm also excited for. Because I feel like I'm at a point where I actually have an educational plan and and an educational idea of what I want to do. Because the reason I have dropped out of college in the past i'm a two-time college dropout admittedly i didn't have a plan i didn't know what the fuck i wanted to do i didn't know what i wanted to major in so obviously i was very lost in my educational journey but now that i know exactly what you want what i want to do it's it's starting now that it's easy to plan and figure it out so don't feel bad if you still don't know what it is you Don't feel bad if you don't know what it is you want to do with your life. Because I am almost 27 this April. God. 27 this April. And I'm just now figuring out what I want to do with my life. So it it comes at different times. You're not going to have it figured out. I still don't have it figured out. I mean, I have an idea of what I want to do. I'm at a point where I have an idea of what I want to do. But do I have it figured out altogether? Absolutely not. Will I have it figured out? Probably not. But that's alright. That's fine. That's fine. It's life. It happens. I'm learning. I'm also really hyped up on caffeine, so there is that. But yeah, no, we are reframing and restructuring 
how we do the show because I realized it's easier for me with like work and school and potentially training to just split up things so I did say I wasn't going to publicly support AEW but there are certain wrestlers that I still like care about it's essentially how I felt about WWE when I first started this podcast and I was all up AEW's ass where like there were certain wrestlers in WWE that I cared about and I would only like watch for them but it's kind of like done a little turntable where there are certain wrestlers in AEW that I will keep up with and still comment on matches and results and stuff but I don't know I'll get into that later because I posted a tweet that had like no context to it and I didn't really elaborate that well so I'll get into it also later but it's easy for me to split up how I'm talking about things so one episode could be like the first half of the week like this episode today's episode what we're getting into we're getting into raw we're getting into world's end and we're getting into new year's evil and then next week's episode will be smackdown and collision and the other half of the week so we each episode is going to be one half of the week because that's the easiest way for me to do it in terms of the school schedule and then also in this episode i saw the iron claw so i definitely got to talk about that And then all the shows that are happening in January of 2023. And then we're also going to talk about Hoodsland since I went last night. But yeah, that's it for today's episode. But hopefully it makes sense that this week I'm talking about the first half of what's going on in the wrestling world. And then next episode will be the second half of the week. Because I just feel like it's easier that way. To just split it up. Because when I started the show, I used to watch everything throughout the week. And then try and talk about it all on Sunday. When a lot of it wasn't fresh in my mind. So I feel like if I split it up, it's still fresh in my mind. And plus, I I still haven't even watched SmackDown yet. So I can at least, like, use each episode to talk about what I've seen and go at my pace. And that's probably what I will be doing going forward. It's just going at my pace. Because I was just trying to keep up with everybody else. And what everybody else was doing the past few years. In terms of covering current events. But now I'm realizing I gotta go at my own pace. Because you know, life is happening. I'm an adult. I can't, like, realistically pay attention to everything as much as I try. So, I gotta go as I... I gotta... Do as I go. Go as I do. That didn't make any sense, but alright. But yeah, I'll be covering... It's just gonna be business as usual. It's just gonna be a slower pace. Business as usual, but as a slower pace. And I'm still gonna cover pay-per-views. The shows that I go to. Vlogs are gonna be way more consistent this year. Since I'm, like, planning which shows that I'm going to and working them into my schedule. So it's going to be easier to figure out what shows I'm going to vlog. Unless I decide to just go as a fan. And just, like, not vlog. Just take the show in. Because it's nice to do that every once in a while. So I'm not going to say I'm going to vlog every show. But I will say at least, like, 90% of the shows that I go to this year will be vlogged. And then interviews will be availability-based because, you know, school, training, work, and then everybody else has lives outside of wrestling. So it's pretty much going to be on everybody's availability schedule. But in speaking of the vlogs, the first vlog of the year, I Know What You Did Last Hood Slam, will be up like at the end of the week. If not Friday, then Saturday. But yeah, that was a really good show. But essentially, too long didn't read version. Things are going to be business as usual as I work on that work-life wrestling school balance, essentially. So, 
Thank you for understanding, and thank you for continuing to support while I restructure and figure it out. But this year, this year we're, we got some structure. This year we're actually, like, following a plan, a game plan, if you will. And I'll talk about current events here and there. I mean, I try not to really keep up with, like, the dirt sheets and, like, the rumors and the gossip because I really don't care. But, I mean, like, some of it's fun to talk about. I can, I can usually do, like, rapid-fire opinions about the current events in wrestling, because I really... You'll see, because that, that's, that's essentially what I... I have, like, a little segment where I'm going to talk about what's currently going on, and it's going to be rapid-fire, because I feel like I don't need to go on, like, super long tangents about it. Just, just drop the opinion and dip. But, yeah. Let's just get into this episode. Let's, let's start this year off right, if you will. So I want to start off talking about the Iron Claw, because when I tell you, I have never been more depressed walking out of movie theater, and I already knew the story of the Von Ericks. Like, a wrestling fan automatically know the, the story of the Von Ericks. It's just like being born and you automatically know the lyrics to Mr. Brightside by the Killers. What the fuck, bro? Like, the dark side of the ring was already depressing. But goddamn. I was so sad. Like, it, it, you just, not even sad, but like somber. You leave the theater in kind of like a very somber energy. Like, I just, I, I, I when I tell you, I went home, I had to drink a beer and, like, smoke a joint to just, like, decompress. Because, like, it's heavy. It is a heavy story. It's a heavy... Real life. It's just heavy, man. Like, it was heartbreaking. Because... If you know the story of the Von Erics, you go into the movie, you already just expect. Like, okay, when are they... When is it going to happen? When are they going to start dying? Not to be so frank about it, but you just kind of, it's just, you know that it's coming. So it's kind of like, let's just enjoy this happy exposition of showing their brotherly bond, their family bond before all the trauma starts. Because I spent the first half of the movie like, oh, this is so sweet. But I know that they're all going to die. But then it's just, I love the way that... Because I did re-watch The Dark Side of the Ring after I watched The Iron Claws, like a compare and contrast. One thing that I do love is how they kind of like... Everything that happened in the movie was alluded to without outright saying like you just like uh, I'm trying to like think of an example and the main example that's coming to mind is like after Kerry won the NWA title and he told Kevin that he was going to go for a ride on his motorcycle and it's like oh yeah that's when he breaks his foot and he has to get his foot amputated like how they just kind of like alluded to it without outright saying it that, that those were like the little things that I liked and then there was like a there was a scene where they were all in the locker room and I can't think of the word but they were all kind of like the three brothers were all kind of like exposed on top of each other I thought that was a cool little effect Something that will forever trip me out, though, were, like, the 80s graphics of, like, all the match cards and, like, the name cards, but everything was filmed in probably, like, 4K cameras. That was weird. But I get it, because, you know. Um, And as someone who grew up in the high school musical era, when I tell you I literally remember sitting on my grandmother's couch waiting for the premiere of High School Musical on Disney Channel, that's how serious it was. Going from that 
and seeing like Zach, like starting off seeing Zach Efron there and then watching the Iron Claw. First of all, he looked forty throughout the entire movie. That man was so buff for like what reason? What reason was he so buff for? And I know that he broke his jaw, and that's why his jaw it like looks bigger. But like. I've never, well, I have, but I like I've never. He just looks. Wow, like he just looks so different, and I get that it comes with age. Because he's obviously not gonna look the same as he did when he was in High School Musical, but it was just like. It was a realization of like, oh wow, everybody that I watched on like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon, they're old now. And not in a bad way, but it's just like, oh, wow. It's like a humbling, sobering feeling. But let me tell you, his acting, though, I, shit, shit. Vast, vast improvement from Troy Bolton. Although, the bed on it scene from High School Musical 2, nothing's ever gonna top that. Like, I... Don't get me wrong, Kev- uh, Zach killed it as Kevin Von Eric, in my opinion, but nothing's ever going to top the bet on it scene from High School Musical 2, just out of pure bias. Like, Zach Efron conveyed, like, I-, I was empathizing with Kevin throughout the entire movie. And it was so crazy how Zach Efron bought that empathy out of me, but, like, when he was singing Bet On It and he splashed that puddle before he got to the climax of the song, let me tell you. Same thing. Same thing. But yeah, no, Zac Efron was like so good in that movie. I'm still not over it. And I think it's just... It blows my mind coming from a place of like growing up watching High School Musical and Disney Channel and shit... It's just like, wow, he's he's really evolved as an actor, and it's blowing my mind. And then everybody else, plus, like, there were, there were two British people on that cast. And it always, like, stresses me out when British people, like, can do accents. Like, how did you go from doing an English accent to just, like, a southern Texas accent? Like, that's crazy. Acting is crazy to me. And then, wow. Also, I've not finished Shameless. I've not finished Shameless. I don't remember where I left off in in Shameless. But that Jeremy Allen White dude, what the fuck? Jeremy Allen White and Zac Efron in that movie, I swear. Those two? Damn. It's, like, rare when a movie affects me as much as the Iron Claw does. Because, you know, I, you know damn well. The only genre of movie I watch is horror movies. It's rare when I watch a movie that's not a horror movie. But, fuck, bro. I, I'm still, like, reeling from that movie. But it's just those two performances really, like, gut-punched me. I haven't, like... I'm not even gonna lie to you. I haven't felt this way about the move about a movie since The Dark Knight. Dark Knight is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've not felt this way about a movie since The Dark Knight. And then there's this is like a spoiler, but not a spoiler. But like the scene in the movie that really fucking got me. It was, like, right after Carrie uh, himself, and he was on that boat, and he went over to his brothers. Like, that scene from, like, the end of the movie, and, like, I'm an only child, so I don't know what it's like to have siblings, but I grew up, like, 
with cousins who are like siblings, but I did lose a cousin that I grew up with who was kind of like a sibling. So I, I, I can empathize to an extent, but what really got me as an only child though, is when Kevin at the end of the movie was like, I was a brother, but now I'm not a brother. Cause it's like being an only child is lonely as fuck. I'm not even going to lie to you. It's a lonely experience. So that line got me. But yeah, overall, it's a good movie. I think, like, as a wrestling fan, if you know the original story, it's like, you already know what you're gonna get yourself into, but it does feel a little bit watered down compared to the Dark Side of the Ring episode. But for me, I kind of put myself in the shoe. I put myself in the shoes of someone who doesn't know the Von Erich story because... I would equate, I would compare the Iron Claw to the movie House of Gucci because I went to go see that in theaters and I knew nothing about Gucci. I know nothing about high fashion and like art house brand. I know nothing about that world. But after I left House of Gucci, I kind of got the gist of like how the brand came to be and what it is now. And I feel like for those that don't know the story of the Von Eriks are kind of going to get an idea of their backstory if they watch this but it was just it was a really cool movie it was a very very cool movie and I will tell you if if I was not looking at the top right screen in a specific scene I would have never known MJF was in the movie It was a scene where Kevin and Lance were tag-teaming. If I didn't look in the top right corner of the screen, I would have missed MJF. I would have never seen that man. But I really enjoyed it. I liked it. I, you know... Yeah. Another New Year's resolution of mine is to see more movies. So that, you know, yeah, that was the first movie of the year. So I'm going to make it a goal of mine to also get out and go see more movies. Because I just need to. The only movie I saw in theaters last year was Evil Dead Rise. Which is so sad. I'm going to be mad at myself if the only movie I see this year is The Iron Claw. But I'm going to be real with you. I don't really care to go to the movie theaters until December 25th, 2024 when Nosferatu drops because listen to me. Robert Eggers, who gave us The Lighthouse, is giving us Nosferatu. Listen, I don't want to hit the theaters until December. Also, when Maxine drops too, I don't, I don't hit the theaters then. But that... that Talk about my most anticipated movie of 2024 is fucking Nosferatu. I think he directed The Witch too, but I feel like I could be wrong. I could be right, and I feel like I'm wrong. But yeah, no, I'm hyped for Nosferatu. And while we're on the subject of the Iron Claw, I saw on Twitter there was like a whole debate on like A24 should handle more wrestling biopics, which agreed. I fucking, I fucking agree. Like, I am biased. Uh, like, a part of me is biased with Iron Claw because I love A24 movies. A24 has not put out a bad movie, in my opinion. I haven't seen all of their movies, but the A24 movies I've seen, they've never put out a bad movie. And I feel like they would be the ones to handle wrestling biopics well. However... To everybody who was on fucking Twitter talking about giving Chris Benoit a biopic, just please go watch The Dark Side of the Ring because I feel like that's everything and anything that Chris Benoit needs regarding his story. And even that was a lot. I don't want to sit in a theater for two hours to watch a Chris Benoit biopic. Eddie Guerrero, maybe, because I saw people talking about how a24 should handle Eddie Guerrero biopic and Pedro Pascal should play Eddie Guerrero, which put a pin in that. But I, I, uh, Chris Benoit biopic isn't necessary. Like, if any, I want to see a Macho Man biopic. 
I don't necessarily care to see a Ric Flair biopic. I would watch a Macho Man biopic before I watch a Ric Flair biopic. Hell, a Roddy Piper biopic. Mick Foley. There are so many more people who deserve a biopic before Chris Benoit does. Just go watch The Dark Side of the Ring and be done with it. Also, one last thing about the Iron Claw. I feel like it was watered down a bit for just those people who don't really know the Von Erich story. Because I feel like they made it from the perspective of, like... There's people who are going to know the Von Erich story, and there's people who aren't going to know the Von Erich story. So they did what they could to kind of just please both sides. And I feel like both sides were pleasantly pleased. It's just still funny to see people who don't know the story going in, thinking it's a movie, like it's going to be a happy-go-lucky movie about wrestling. I feel so sorry for the people who went into that movie not realizing what they were getting themselves into that's i'm so sorry but you know yeah no i enjoyed it i think it was my favorite movie of the year so far it's only january so Every time I think about it, I just get really sad. I'm sorry. We have to talk about something else now. So some rapid fire about some current events that are happening. Uh, Gianna Perrazzo went to AEW, which, good for her. I just didn't really watch Impact. But from what I've seen, she's a really talented wrestler. So hopefully I get to see more now that she's in AEW. I didn't even... I don't think I was... I think she was in NXT. I don't think I was really watching NXT at the time, if not WWE when she was there. But, you know, she's... From what I've seen, she's a badass. So I'm happy for her. It's just, you know, you gotta be happy for people. You gotta be happy for people. It's a new job. Be happy for her. And then Trinity is supposed to be a free agent here soon. And that makes sense because, like... Her husband's in WWE. And it'd probably be easier for them to be on, like, the same travel schedule. Same for Deanna, because I think she's married to Steve Macklin. So, like, it, I, for me, it just makes sense. If you're going to be married to a wrestler, it would make sense to be in the same company. So, like, just for peace of mind and schedules. Not saying that you guys got to see each other all the time, but, like, I can see how if you were in two different companies and opposite schedules were hurting the relationship type beat, you know? So, like, if, if you if you want to go back to the company to be with your significant other, hell yeah. If that company is also offering you a better offer, absolutely take that. So, like, there could be many factors. It could be a million factors that go into them going to these companies. And I'm happy for them either way, because, like, you, you just never know. There could be multiple components. Same thing with Mercedes. Sasha Banks not going back to WWE. Alright. Not even in a bad way, but I just saw, like, everybody, like, fucking freaking out over Mercedes not going back to WWE. Like, it's okay. Like, I saw a tweet. I don't remember exactly, like, word for word what the tweet said, but it pretty much was, like, WWE is, like, not the end-all, be-all for professional wrestling. There's so much professional wrestling to experience. There's so much professional wrestling to get yourself into outside of WWE, outside of AEW. Like, outside of the big leagues, outside of the big companies, the big names. There's so much professional wrestling to get into. Like... When I said that I'm not supporting AEW as much, it doesn't mean that I'm all the way up WWE's ass. I'm just going to watch everything and take it all in with a grain of salt because people be weird, man. People are fucking weird. But I do want to clarify some tweets and some conversations that I started on the app because I didn't provide further context. I, I, yeah, I, was, I wasn't trying to start arguments or debates, but essentially, 
it's just weird seeing your favorites become pieces of shit as you grow older. Talk about Jericho. But also, if they're just now coming out, like, if it's just now coming out that a certain person is a piece of shit, maybe they've always been a piece of shit, so it's kind of just, like, that's gross. It makes me feel nauseous to know that one of my favorites is a piece of shit and to think that he's probably always been a piece of shit. And I know there's going to be pieces of shit in wrestling. I know that there's always been pieces of shit in wrestling. It just sucks when it's, like, people you grew up watching, but it's also, like, you gotta, like, grow up at some point and realize, yeah, these are just people with fucked up opinions. Like, not everybody's gonna be perfect, and we only see, like, a certain side of these wrestlers every day, but it still sucks. And even, like, that video Swerve Strickland posted of, like, a snippet of his song, and he said the comment about black women being ugly, it's like, wow, okay. Oh, gross. And then even MJF's comments, I don't want to, like, get too into politics, but essentially my thoughts on what's happening are, if you just can't see that it's a genocide, like, it's not a two-sides thing, it's a full-on genocide. It's a full-on... It's genocide. Like, what else can you say? What else can you really say that it is? But, yeah, no, it... At the end of the day, it just sucks when your favorites... I'm saying that lightly in quotations. You don't see the quotation marks, but I'm putting in quotations when I say favorites. But it's just... It just sucks when they're pieces of shit. And that's that's why I kind of keep my distance with these bigger promotions. Because these bigger promotions have the money to do that damage control. Which is why I kind of just like arm's length AEW and even arm's length WWE because like while WWE has become more entertaining with Triple H and star in charge I'm still keeping it at arm's length because we at the end of the day we only see one side of things I'm not saying one company is worse than the other I'm not doing that tribalism shit over here They could be equally as bad, and we just don't know, because we're not in that locker room, we're not in those corporate offices. So I'm not gonna shit on these companies like I know what's going on backstage, but, you know, I am gonna keep these companies at arm's length. And even some indie promotions, because even the shit that just happened with South Bay Championship Wrestling. Like, you just have to, not even as a wrestler, but as a fan, know what companies to keep at arm's length, because people are just weird. People are weird and don't realize that they're weird. People are gross and don't realize that they're gross. And they think that they can spread their grossness and their weirdness amongst everybody else. And they think that everybody will go along with it. But it's just like, no, you're fucking weird. You're fucking gross. And you need to do something about it. And until you personally do something about it, you're not going to change. You're not going to grow. You're just always going to be a piece of shit spreading your piece of shitness. I'm not saying this right. But it's just, until you reflect on just how shitty of a person you are, you're always just going to be a shitty person. And a lot of that doesn't happen in wrestling, unfortunately. I just feel like people get to a certain level and they think that they're free to be a piece of shit because fame or money erases it. It's just like there's no amount of fame or money that's going to make you any less of a piece of shit, which is why I keep all these companies at an arm's length, which is why I don't really get too starstruck when I see wrestlers like there's some wrestlers that I'm like oh fuck I can't believe I'm like standing in front of you having a conversation with you meeting you but you gotta just learn to take everything even interactions with wrestlers with a grain of salt because we don't know these people as much as we think we want to do like a lot of people do a google search and they think that they know a wrestler or they know everything about a person. It's like, no, that's not how this works. But I don't know. I just feel like overall what I meant when I said that I'm not going to like publicly support AEW is that I'm just keeping all of these promotions at arm's length now that all of these pieces of shit, these shitty people are coming to light, if that makes sense. But it's just, it, come, it gets to a point where you just can't overlook that. You can't just 
turn a blind eye to that. You can't just be silent about it. It's just, if you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. If you're a shitty person, you're a shitty person. And if so many people are saying that you're a shitty person, and I'm not saying any of these people are 100% shitty. Like, they probably got some good qualities, but you just have shitty views and shitty perspectives. Like, I'm just using shitty person generally. It's a general overview statement, but, like, you could be a good person and just have shitty views and shitty perspectives. But that's on you to realize, oh, yeah, maybe I am a shitty person, you know. But too long didn't read version because I feel like that rant was all over the place. Keep Just keep these names, keep these promotions at arm's length. I'm not saying you can't enjoy it because I'm still going to watch. I'm still going to enjoy it, but I'm just going to keep everybody at arm's length. But it gets to a point where it's just like, you can't be quiet. You can't pretend that it's not happening. You can't pretend that it's not there. You got to speak up. You got to say something. If something's not right, speak on it. If something's not right, say something. Especially if you have the platform. I don't have the biggest platform in the world, but I'm going to use my platform. It's not that hard. But, you know, something that I'm learning is common sense is not that common to everybody. So, sometimes it's good to just mind your business. Like, mind your business, but also don't mind it to the point where you're oblivious. Like, if something shitty's going on, say something. But also, if it's none of your business, don't delve into it. There's a huge difference between minding your business and staying quiet. Because I mind my business, but I will not stay quiet when it comes to shitty people doing things. Especially when it involves my friends, so... Yeah. And then I said something about how Adam Cole being the devil was like very predictable, which is kind of going to bleed into how I feel about the world's end results. I didn't mean it was predictable in the sense where I didn't want the devil to be Adam Cole, but I feel like it was just when Adam Cole was revealed as the devil, it's like, oh, the devil's Adam Cole. Let's move on to the next thing. You know, that's where I feel like it was predictable. Like, it was just very, it was very much a lackluster reveal. There was no, like, nah behind it, especially on such a big stage. But it's not that I didn't want the devil to be Adam Cole. And I I do feel like it was a little obvious that the devil was Adam Cole because it's just... I get it was to make people emotionally invested to have MJF and Adam Cole be friends just so he could betray him in the end, but I, you know, the way they set it up, I felt like Roderick Strong was going to be the devil. Like, they just, of course, like, I think they did a good job at thwarting the identity of the devil, because it could have been Roderick Strong, could have been Jack Perry, could have been, like, anybody. But when it was revealed to be Adam Cole, it was kind of like, oh, Alright. What's next? But not in a bad way. It's kind of like, okay, now we can move on now that we know who the devil is. It was so... Because lackluster is not the word, but lackluster is the word that I want to use. But it just, it wasn't a bad reveal. I just felt like, for a stage like World's End, I thought it would be bigger. Stronger. Like a stronger reveal. But essentially, at the end of the day, Adam Cole being revealed as the devil was just a, okay, we can move on type of reveal. That's why I thought it was predictable and lackluster, because it's just like, alright, now I know who the devil is, let's jump on to the next thing. Because I feel like they dragged it on, too. And I get, I get that they'd have to do that, but it... I think for me, 
the whole thing with the devil essentially is MJF because he didn't really do anything as champion. He didn't do anything to make me emotionally invested in the storyline. That's what it is. I don't know. He's not... Yeah. I mean, call me a flip-flop fan because I was praising MJF in the early days of the show, but it's just like when he became champ... Like, he did all of that whining to become champion to not really do anything to elevate anybody but himself. I feel like the only person that was elevated by MJF's title reign was MJF. Which is why the reveal wasn't as exciting as I expected it to be. Because, I mean, I guess he built up Adam Cole in his title run. But that was, like, the only other person besides MJF that was built up by MJF's title run. There's like a there's like a handful of people I can count who were built up by MJF's title run without using all five fingers. Cuz the only other person I can think of who was built up by MJF's title run was Daniel Garcia. Yeah, I I think it's just my lack of emotional investment in MJF as a character that made me hate the reveal of the devil. Because I did not feel bad for MJF when Adam Cole betrayed him. But at least MJF gave us one thing, and that is an Adam Cole-Samoa Joe feud, potentially. And I'm here for that. I would enjoy that. I would genuinely enjoy that. And I could be asking a stupid question because I know people say there is no such thing as a stupid question. And there there is such thing as a stupid question because I feel like I'm about to ask one. And I have asked stupid questions in the past before. But is Hook the only person allowed to hold the FTW title or... Can that actually be recognized up there, like, with the... It's not the All-Atlantic title anymore. The international champion. Like, can the... Not saying the FTW title has to be big as the AEW title, but can it at least be like held to the same regard as the international title and get like defended more? Or is it like a nepotism thing? And then Andrade's match didn't really make sense to me. I mean, it did because, you know, it gave him a proper send off, but. Why, why would you pair, why would you set up a storyline last minute if you knew the man's contract was going to expire and you knew that it was his last match? Because if you knew he was on his way out, I feel like you would let him win. But I wonder what it did set up with CJ Perry and Miro. Because, like, Andrade was her client for, like, five minutes. I heard the Dynamite after World's End was a lot better than the show itself, though. But I... I just feel like AEW and WWE are starting to get similar in who they're, like, picking and choosing to 
like be the face of the company, but it just feels like Tony Khan is doing a terrible job at it. Because in both companies, we see like the same five people go after the title. But I feel like the difference between WWE and AEW is that at least, like, you can feel that people are getting, like, elevated and put on notice after their title shots. Because it just feels like it doesn't have the same effect in AEW. Because even, like, the women's division, like... there are improvements in AEW's women women's division, but I feel like I'm seeing the same women in the title picture when there's, like, a whole entire roster that could be, like... You can switch them in and out for the title picture, you know? Like, as much as I love Riho, and as much as I love Tony Storm, as much as I love Soraya... Do they all have to go at the title every single time? Like, there's more women in that locker room that deserve title shots than the same three? But I don't don't know. It's just, everything... When it comes to titles in AEW, just feels repetitive. I feel like there's no titles that are elevating anybody in AEW, really. Which is why I like it more for the matches and the wrestling, because it, it just feels like the titles don't really mean anything in AEW. They're just decoration. Because at least in WWE, there's an attempt to make the titles means something like it neither company is perfect but there's more of an effort on wwe's part i will say and then like christian lost the title to adam copeland and then invoked the title clause to win it back i thought that was stupid but as long as it makes sense for the story i get a lot of these results make sense for what stories are going on but it's just The execution sometimes is very questionable. But yeah, I I hope that... I hope that all of this World's End nonsense makes sense as things play out. But yeah. Then Raw, Day 1, and some early Royal Rumble predictions before we get into Hood Slam and January 2023 shows. Um, Becky and Nia Jax was good. I don't think their feud is over because they wouldn't just have that match and end it. I feel like it's leading to... A Royal Rumble match of some sort. I feel like when it comes to Nia and Becky, they're going to get a Royal Rumble match and they're probably both going to be in the Rumble itself. I feel like they're going to open, if not be the second match or somewhere in the middle of the show, but they're definitely... Either competing in the Rumble, then having the match, or having the match and competing in the Rumble. Because I don't think this is like WrestleMania caliber. This is not like Rus- this is not a WrestleMania worthy story. But yeah, I can see something happening for them at the Royal Rumble. And I like that Becky didn't win. Becky didn't need to win that one. Ivy Nile and Rhea Ripley was another favorite match of mine. And that's what that's like an example of what I talk about when I say the title is 
it feels like somebody's elevated after a title match because I feel like I feel like Ivy Nile versus Rhea Ripley elevated I Ivy Nile more than watching like Tony Storm <laughs> versus Ikaru Shida for the AEW women's title. Like, WWE is at least making some sort of an effort to give us something that we haven't seen before, which I can appreciate, which is why I'm a little bit more favorable to them right now. But I feel like AEW is more for, like, the, the wrestling, because I think that's why I still give a shit about it. Storylines are questionable. And I liked how WWE hyped the f return of a former champion just for it to be The Rock. Nothing wrong with that, but it was just like, oh, I thought it was going to be like Batista or something. Even though I know Batista said he was done, but it just they made it seem like it was somebody we haven't seen before. And also talking about storylines that are going to end at the Royal Rumble, I feel like Drew and Seth might end at the Rumble. They might have another title bout with some stipulations at the Royal Rumble, I feel like. And then in terms for like the Royal Rumble itself, I feel like Damian Priest might cash in at the Royal Rumble. If not WrestleMania, I feel... I don't know if he's ever going to cash in, but I feel like if he doesn't cash in at the Royal Rumble, he's got to do it at WrestleMania, or else what has this all been for? And then I feel like they're setting it up to where either Cody Rhodes or CM Punk wins the Royal Rumble, so I feel like either Cody wins again and we get Roman versus Cody 2 at the Rumble, or Punk wins and we get Seth and Punk at WrestleMania. I think I said Roman and Cody at the Rumble. When I'm at WrestleMania. But that for, for the men's, I can see either Cody or Punk. Because th those just seem like the strongest contenders right now. Either Becky or Bailey, Because I think... For the women's, Becky or Bailey, Because Bailey could get Io. And then Becky could get Rhea. But I think like... Bailey doesn't have to win the Royal Rumble to get a match with EO because I feel like there's enough background, enough build for that to be a match. I feel like I sound hypocritical when I talk about WWE when I versus AEW. Some companies have their strengths and some companies have their weaknesses. I will just leave it at that. But that doesn't mean I putting I'm not saying one is better. Strengths and weaknesses doesn't mean one is better than the other. Um, yeah, I don't know. Either Becky or Bailey are taking the women's rumble. I don't want to... I actually miss Royal Rumble surprises. So, I don't want to, like pick who's going to make surprise appearances in the Rumble, but I definitely feel like Carmelo Hayes and Tiffany Stratton are going to make appearances in the Rumble, because they're like the strongest in NXT right now, in my opinion. If not Trick Williams, I think Trick might also make a Rumble appearance as well. But... Yeah. Cody, Punk for the men's, Bailey, Becky for the women's, Priest might cash in at the Royal Rumble, but I doubt it. That might be like a WrestleMania thing. I, I also feel like some there's going to be, R-Truth is going to have a match at the Royal Rumble against somebody from the Judgment Day, I feel like. If not Dominic, then Finn. Just based on how that storyline's going. 
But yeah, I'm excited for the Royal Rumble because I I will say Survivor Series and Royal Rumble are probably my top two pay-per-views because I just love the anticipation of the Rumble. You don't know who's coming next. And you don't know who's going to win. So, yeah. That That's... That's essentially it for, like, Raw and SmackDown. Or, no, not SmackDown. Raw and World's End and Royal Rumble. I did say New Year's Evil, too, as well. Hold on, let's pull that up. Because I saw that Tiffany Stratton had to be Fallon Henley's ranch hand, and then Ilya Dragunov wasn't, uh clear to compete so trick williams okay okay now i'm looking at the okay i like that lyra retained because i feel like she just got the title and then That spot that fucking Joaquin Wilde did from the second ring was crazy. And then Fallon and Tiffany. It reminds me of The Simple Life. That show with Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie from like the early 2000s. And then Trick had his Iron Survivor title opportunity on the line against Grayson Waller. Which, I actually have a theory that I posted on TikTok. I think I've posted my theory, or I've said my theory about Trick being betrayed by Melo. But it didn't happen at New Year's Evil like I thought, but I feel like it's coming. I feel like it's coming. Because if Melo didn't directly attack Trick or sabotage Trick, he hired somebody to do it. But we don't know. Or what if it's the other way around? What if we're out here thinking that fucking Melo is out here trying to betray Trick? What if Trick is trying to betray Melo? And everybody's throwing us off. Crazy to think about. Crazy to think about. So before I get into Hood Slam, I just wanted to run down the shows that are happening in the month of January. And as of this episode recording, because I'm recording it on January 6th, tonight is Ugwa Shark Infested at Narrative Fermentations in San Jose, which I cannot make. I have a closing shift tonight. And also Total Wrestling Federation is doing Fight for Franklin. Yesterday, of course, was I Still Know What You Did Last Hood Slam, which I'll be getting into in a second. But next Saturday, January 13th, is Ugly Dojo. They're doing a show in Vacaville, California. Sunday the 14th, Full Queer is doing a beer bust, which I will be at. And I think Oasis Pro is doing a bar brawl at Eli's Mile High Club, also on the 14th, as well. And then on the 21st, Supreme Pro Wrestling is doing Fight Me at the Soccer World Indoor Arena in Elk Grove. On the 26th, the Oasis Pro is doing Solid or Stripes at Gilman Brewing in Berkeley. Also on the 26th, Big Time Wrestling is doing the Kirk White Memorial Battle Royal at the Newark Pavilion in Newark. And finally, as of right now, because we still have a whole month of January, but as of right now, finally, on January 27th, Saturday, Sensational 7 is doing Winner Winner TV dinner at 7th West in Oakland, I believe, and then also on the 27th, West Coast Pro is doing Ill-Mannered, I believe, I think it's at the State Room, if not the United Irish Cultural Center, but it is in San Francisco. I just don't remember the venue. I didn't write it down. I just put it in my calendar so I didn't forget. But let's talk about Hood Slam's I Still Know What You Did Last Summer. Or I I Still Know What You Did Last Hood Slam. 
which I still know what you did last summer, is one of my favorite horror movies because it was just my favorite horror movie growing up. So the reference itself, loved that. Loved that. And it's so crazy how we're like six days into January and we already have match of the fucking year because uh, what I need you guys to do Go to TrillerTV.com. I'm doing this free of charge. Free of charge. Go to TrillerTV. Make a make an account. Do a free trial. Pay for the subscription. I don't care what the fuck you gotta do. What I need you to do is go do that. Watch the replay of I Still Know What You Did That's Hood Slam. And then just go watch Dark Sheik versus Mansois. Because, um... I don't know how we're six days into 2024 and we got match of the year already. But, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I mean, we had a lot of match of the year contenders last night, and I know I still know what you did last Hood Slam, but damn. God. Oh my god. I have never been so stressed at a match before. Like, fucking my friend Chris, Rudo Rampage, he was like, breathe. Just breathe. But it was also cool, because at Hood Slam, like, all the homies were there. Like, Bell Beefer was there, Mama Beefer, Ruta Rampage, Mark Doubt, and I cannot remember her name, but she has, like, long brown hair. And I think I also saw Bringley Dingle, but I didn't realize who Bringley Dingle was, and I felt so bad because I kept poking them in the back with my phone, and I'm so sorry. Again, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I kept, like, poking them on accident, and it wasn't intentional. It was just, we were just so close. It was not intentional, so I do apologize, but, um... It was so nice to see everybody, little Hood Slam family, and I wanted to stay after the show and, like, linger and talk to everybody, but I t when I tell you, I had, like, the weirdest fucking migraine headache thing, like, it felt like the joint where my skull and my neck meet were just on fire, just aching, and my head was fucking hurting, so... I was just in a lot of discomfort by the end of the night, so I didn't didn't stay as much as I wanted to, but or as long as I wanted to. But it was still like, damn, that's how you start off the year. That's how you fucking start off the year. But yeah, I was like live tweeting the show, Loki. But let me let me tell you all of like all of the fucking matches that were my favorites top four matches dark chic versus mansois brooke havoc versus hop daddy versus richard shenary was crazy anton Voorhees versus kenny k and then mac daddy milo versus joey janela oh my fucking god mac daddy mac daddy milo can fucking go bro The match with fucking Janela. Let's be... Bro. Also watch that one. I need you to go order that fucking replay. Or watch... You don't have to order the replay. That's Bleacher Report. Go that replay. That fucking replay of that match. Watch it. Please. God, but yeah, no, that was a beautiful show from start to finish. It was a beautiful way to start off the year for me personally. It felt so good to be, like, it was the first wrestling show of the year for me personally, so I had a really good time. But something I am going to do, I am going to get better at keeping track of my favorite matches of the year. I'm going to, well, I'm just going to do a better job at of keeping track of, like, matches of the year and stuff, but I do want to keep track of, like, my favorite matches of the year so at the end of the year I can do, like, an awards and a recap because I felt like I didn't do much of a 2023 recap because I felt like it was more of me just, like, realizing, like, oh, fuck, I'm in the industry now. I'm, like, really out here doing things, but a lot of my favorite moments did happen last year, so this year I'll get better at, like, my favorite matches of the year. But I will say, fucking Dark Sheik and Mansois, I swear to God, man, that was so fucking good. 
That was so good. I feel bad for sleeping on Mansoir when he was in WWE, but to be fair, I wasn't really watching it at the time, but like... <laughs> Talk about underutilized. Underutilized while he was in the big company. He can fucking go. He can go. Talk about people who can go in the ring. That motherfucker right there. But it was beautiful. If I didn't end up with like that weird ass like neck migraine, I would have stayed longer after the show and said hi to people. All my friends and stuff. But yeah. It was nice. It was very nice. And with that, I think I can call that an episode because if I'm being real with y'all, I gotta be at work in an hour. So I hope you all have a great day. I hope you guys have been enjoying 2024 so far. I hope you guys all have a good rest of your 2024. And I'll catch you on the next one. Uh, again, the vlog for I Know What You Did Last Hood Slam should be up by the end of the week. If not early next week, but... I'm also trying something new where I edit together like all of my favorite spots from the night. So yeah, we'll see. Let me just navigate my clips and see where that takes me. But other than that, you guys are awesome. Thank you. And I'll catch you on the next one.